This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, the more things change, the more they tend to stay the same. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio here, and the Bills have just signed a new wide receiver, and it's Cole Beasley. Yes, what a blast from the past. We heard from him for the first time on Wednesday. It was his first full practice with the team. Sal, the question now is what kind of impact is he going to make and how soon is he going to make that impact? Is there a chance we see him on the field Saturday? Oh, I don't. I think there's a good chance. I think it's actually happening. As I sit here right now, we talk about this on a Wednesday. We, we do this podcast. Um, I think this is happening considering that they just brought John Brown back two weeks ago and he literally played like, a week later and Cole Beasley doesn't have to have a huge acclimation period and the bills need help. They want a guy like this. They needed this kind of guy. How many times did you or I or somebody else were sitting there on WGR or channel seven, whatever talking about it and saying, you know what they need? They need a Cole Beasley kind of guy. The guy that played the Cole Beasley role. Well, Cole Beasley played the Cole Beasley role. <laughs> so they're getting Cole Beasley. And um, yeah, it is interesting. You started by saying the more things change the more they stay the same. It is wild to think. Beasley, Brown, AJ Klein, right? All these guys that they've, uh, they brought Shaq back Lawson, Shaq Jordan, Lawson Phillips, Jordan Phillips, Dean Marlowe. I mean, the list goes on and on of all of these guys that were once here and then left and then ultimately came back. What did you make of the news when you first found out that Cole Beasley was coming back? Were you surprised? Did you like the idea? And now that we've had a little bit of time to kind of let it all process, what, what are you thinking? Um, I do like the idea because I think they need help there, but I'm still very just, I still question like what he can bring because he has been kind of playing since then, but with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he kind of retired because he couldn't get on the field and really wasn't going well. But you know, he, he talked about that when he met with us and just, it wasn't the same and it didn't feel like the right spot for him and those kinds of things. I think this will be different. It'll be better for him, but I still wonder because even Matt, when he played last year, I understand he played through injuries, but it was like, he caught the ball and he went down. He had nothing to give after that. And 
as valuable as that can be, because I think they are missing that. If he did catch the ball and just fall down, it might be better than what they're getting right now. <laughs> I was going to say, spot, right. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I do wonder like what his effectiveness will be, but they do need somebody just does that to get to a zone, to catch it, to get down and give the bills a second and five. <laughs> I think that it's interesting too, that we're talking about if he's going to play on Saturday or not. And I also agree. I think he's going to play on Saturday. This could be a game where you really need Cole Beasley because if the weather is bad and you're just trying to get these little chunk plays and move your way down the field, having somebody who, you know, can catch the ball in elements is really, really valuable because the last time this team was on the field in a game in elements was on Sunday against the jets and they had countless drops. And that was something that was really a problem for them. I think it's one of those moves that there's not a lot of risk involved. I think more of the, risk is everything externally than it is football wise. It's, you know, there were things that were said really by both sides. The bills didn't want him back. He requested a trade. They didn't trade him. They cut him. He's going on social media, liking comments about how he wanted out of Buffalo and how things changed in his time there and all of the layers that come to it. Cole Beasley has been a very polarizing player for this fan base. So I think the risk there is greater than the risk of actually on the football field. I think on the football field, it's going to be a pretty seamless transition. I think he's basically going to walk into the locker room like he did. And I will say for as polarizing as he is externally, Mm. internally in the locker room, it feels like that guy is really beloved by his teammates, by the guys that need to love him, which are Josh Allen, his fellow wide receivers, Chad Hall, and then basically McDermott and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think that the reward, I don't want to say it greatly outweighs the risk. Cause I don't think he's going to come in here and turn into two years ago, all pro Cole Beasley, but I think he's going to be somebody who contributes, but I think he's going to contribute far more than we've seen John Brown contribute since getting reacclimated into the lineup in the two games that he's played. It's a good point that you make about, you know, the difference between the fan base and the polarization and what he's like in the locker room. When he was signed, when there was this rumblings that he'd be signed, I can't tell you how many people I read that said, why would they bring the a back a cancer in the locker room? This guy's so disruptive. Where do people get that from? That's not the case. He just isn't. He might be disruptive to you or the fan base, and you may view him in a way that, you know, he's unpopular with you, which is your right, but he certainly is not a cancer in the locker room or disruptive in the locker room as far as my knowledge or anything that we've heard. We think I, I know exactly what you know, which is he's beloved. They, they brought him back for that reason. I guarantee you this. If he was, there is no way in heck Brandon Bean brings him back for a Super Bowl run. Like not at this point in the season, why would you disrupt a 10 and three team? He's brought back for the opposite because they do love him. They do love what he brings his professionalism and how he's going to go out about his business every day. And he's out there to try and win. But that said, yes, it ended poorly here in Buffalo for him with the fans. And it went poorly during the off season on Wednesday. He met with the media. We were there. I liked what I heard from him, which is basically him saying, look, I want to write some wrongs. And he was emotional about a lot of things that went down. A lot of it dealt with his kids and the stuff they were facing because of what he was outspoken against and how he acted on social media. He used an example of his own son having a birthday party, like a seven-year-old who had a birthday party. Another young boy said, I can't go to your birthday party because my mom doesn't like you. Like those are the kinds of things that kind of set him off. I think what I heard from Cole Beasley on Wednesday when we talked to him was a lot more like what I had heard from Cole Beasley in his first two years in Buffalo than it was last season, the COVID year. Cole Beasley 
to me anyway, and this is just my opinion, was always very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. He was always very gracious with his time. I loved having conversations with him. And it's not like it happened every single day. But I just remember some of the things that he would talk about the first couple of years about football and about his transition from the Cowboys to the Bills and the differences he'd seen in the two organizations and all of that stuff. I enjoyed those conversations. And then I thought last year there was a wall that was up rightfully so because of everything that was happening off of the field. And whether you agree with him or you disagree with him, there was a wall there and we didn't ever really know what he was going to say or what he wasn't going to say. And it left us wondering, but I think he was pretty candid today. When we talked to him, I could be getting played like a fiddle and I could be reading this wrong, but I I genuinely thought that he was coming to this from a very just authentic and vulnerable place. And I, and I value that. That's one of the reasons why, I mean, this is a completely different thing, but that's one of the reasons why, why I have loved talking to Von Miller so much since mm-hmm. he's been here. I think that that guy is just so interesting to listen to. And they went back and forth, you know, they went back to back today. We we heard from Von Miller too. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, no, I thought Cole Beasley, it's a step in the right direction from kind of mending whatever severs there were in the fan base and the relationship there. There's still more to be done, but the best way to solve that is by going out and producing on the football field. I mean, if this team does what they're trying to do, if Cole Beasley plays any sort of role in them getting to a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl, regardless of what happened in the last year, he will be beloved by 90% of the fan base. No doubt. And there's still going to be 10% who might not. And yeah. will always kind of hold whatever against him that they held against him and didn't like the way that he spoke out and didn't like the way it ended and didn't and, like and those were made sense then on social media. And those people are completely within their right. Everybody can, everybody can make their own opinion. Everybody can say, listen, this guy can kick rocks. We don't care. Or you can say, all right, we all make mistakes. It's everybody can have their own opinion on that. I, I found myself though, just kind of, a little bit thinking about and smiling and laughing a little bit internally, looking at some of the fan reaction to all of this and saying, Oh my God, I don't want that guy back after the way he treated us and things like that. And I'm like, come on, how many of us have been in relationships in our life where maybe it went a little sour and then a little bit. And then you're like, you say bad things. You think bad things. You're like, yeah, but you know, we can get over that if we get back together again. Right. And we can, we can kind of make it where it was before and make up for it. I think that's what, you know, a lot of this is too, you know, um, Brandon Bean even touched on that. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I think that's what happened in a lot of ways here. Yeah, there are fans who think that until it's third and six and you need to get (laughs) down the field and Cole Beasley's seven-yard gain, and then it's a first down. And then you go, okay, all's all's fine again. Good catch, Cole. Let's keep it going, everybody. Come on, let's go. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, he he spoke about it, and he said said there were things that he wishes he could have handled differently. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from that standpoint. But right now, Matt, like, make no mistake. I mean, this is – so there's a couple things about this signing. I think what it represents for, you know, the bills bringing a guy like Cole Beasley in and that can help them, but it also kind of what they've been lacking, right? Which is, I think this is pretty transparent now that they're saying that they are just not getting enough from that position. And what you said about the drops, I think that was a big deal on Sunday. Sean McDermott mentioned the drops on in post game. He mentioned them again on Monday to us in our zoom call with the local media. I think that might've been a tipping point, especially after hearing Brandon Bean say this started back at Thanksgiving. They went through the process. They're like, yeah, let's wait till after Sunday's game and see. And then bam, he's on the team. I think that absolutely happened. And I think that the bills really here show that like, Hey, we need a guy. And then the other thing is it's not just about, of course, it's all about winning a super bowl, but this is about the here and now and getting this thing to the finish line for home field advantage. They need to win their next four games to get home field advantage. That is super important. I think to this organization. 
Yeah. And I think that it wasn't even just the drops that they're trying to, it's when the drops happened, it wasn't just yeah. like that they happened. It was when they happened. There were several of them that happened on third downs or in big moments of the game. I think back to, there were two third down drops from Isaiah McKenzie. There was a drop from Dawson Knox. I don't know if it technically goes into the book as a drop, but on that last drive, when it was first and 10 and everybody thought they were just going to turn around, hand it off and try and run the clock. Well, if he makes that catch, they win the game. They don't have to punt the ball back because they could just kneel it out and run the clock out. So I think that that has something to do with it too. They trust Cole Beasley in those bigger moments in those big stage games. And that's what they have coming up here. They have a lot of those. So yeah, it's interesting because I do not know. I do think he's going to be on the field. I don't know how he's involved. He's going to be against the dolphins. And then that kind of starts, you know, the four game stretch here. I think the dolphins is the second toughest game they have left on their schedule. The first is the uh, Bengals game on January 2nd, but this Dolphins game might mean just as much just to make sure that you win your division. And so, you know, you're hosting a playoff game, yep. whether it's wild card weekend or whether it's in the divisional round or whatever it is. So that's why it's all about the right here, right now. And I know it's a cliche that often gets thrown around, but I don't think it's a coincidence. They brought him in and are hoping to have him ready for Saturday because they do think he can make a difference and they need to win this game. Yeah. Let me explain to everybody how it works. In case you don't know, um, they, he is on the practice squad, just like John Brown. Every team can elevate two players each week from the practice squad to the active roster without signing them to the 53 man roster, and making, making room And each player can have three separate elevations before. And the fourth one, they'd have to literally sign them to a, a contract. John Brown has two elevations. He has one left. Cole Beasley now gets three elevations. It doesn't matter what happened with Tampa. It only counts in Buffalo. He has three elevations. They have four games left. This is good math by Brandon Bean, right? He's doing those four games left. I don't think that's a coincidence, Matt. They can literally elevate John Brown one more time, whenever that is, and Cole Beasley, the other three games, whichever those are, not even have to sign them to the practice, to the active roster. You would have then five receivers. You'd have one or the other for each of those games. And then at the end of the regular season, it resets back to zero and they can keep getting elevated. And then there's no, un, no limits to it, by the way. They can literally go from here till the Super Bowl never sign either one of them to the 53 man roster and both of them could wind up basically playing in every playoff game. So basically how it works. So that's, I'm glad you clarified that. Cause I was a little confused kind of on the rule. So four games left, let's say they elevate Cole for three and yep. they don't, let's just say that they don't elevate him for the last Patriots game of the year or whatever. Yep. Maybe they've got something already clinched up. So then it resets and then they can elevate him for every single playoff game that they play in. Correct. It's unlimited elevations per player, but you still only get two for the team. But each player has unlimited elevations. You can, there's only four playoff games possible, obviously, but each, each one of those games, you can just elevate Cole Beasley or John Brown or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty smart. Next level stuff from Brandon Bean. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it right. works. It's, it's funny how it works out that way. I mean, I think maybe Cole gets the next three games and then they just, ele and then they elevate John Brown for the last one. That's assuming though, that Jamison Crowder isn't available at some point. Right. Kumaro isn't available at some point. I mean, Brandon Bean did specifically mention during his press conference today that Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, the plan was for both of those guys to kind of split the Cole Beasley role once they let Beasley go last year. And then Crowder gets hurt at the beginning of the season. And McKenzie has not lived up to the expectations that they had set internally for him. Now you go out, you add Beasley. And then as far as Jay Kumaro is concerned, he said Jay Kumaro is still a little bit, you know, he's got a little bit of work left to do, a little bit of ways to go. So I'm not, you know, thinking that we're going to see Jay Kumaro sometime in the next couple of weeks here. So that will add a little bit of a complication to the things, but I mean, it doesn't seem like that's going to be anything to get a concern themselves with for the next couple of weeks. No, the only thing you do want to think about though is Ike Butker's 21 day window does end this week. 
Um, they're gonna have to make a decision. I think though, they might get a one day grace period and be able to do it on Monday. If they actually, like if they don't elevate him by activate him by Saturday, I don't think it, they run out. I think he can't practice starting Monday, but I think he could still be uh, activated starting Monday. But the whole point is here. I think they're going to want to do that. They're not going to put him on IR for the rest of the year. So no. if you're going to do that with like Butker, what does that mean? Does that mean that Justin Murray is, do they release him or is it someone else? I don't, I mean, Bobby Hart's been the second offensive lineman. Is it someone from another roster from another position? There are some, as I like to say, roster gymnastics that need to go on here in, in the very short future. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because I do think that they want probably. I think there's a chance like Butker could play on Saturday. Is that completely out of the question? No, I don't think it is. So I mean, especially if you do have an injury to Ryan Bates, I mean, it's not like you're just going to throw him in there. But I think that you would want a little bit more depth potentially at your offensive line. So yeah, I'm interested. I'm sure that they've got something that they've got to figure out, but it doesn't seem like there's a super obvious cut candidate. Probably right. besides Justin Murray. Yeah. And Justin Murray is a guy that, you know, is at least they've had active in case they've needed for like a swing guy and he's played here and there in spot duty, but that would make sense. But we'll see an injury. Other injuries do happen as they go on. All right, let's take a look at the Miami dolphins and they're coming to town and what the weather's going to be like on Saturday night in orchard park. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sal Capaccio here, Matt Bove there. I'm on WGR. He's on Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo. That's where you can find the game on Saturday night. Yeah. Be on NFL Network and on Channel 7 locally, Matt. What do you guys got planned, man? Uh, well, we got a pregame show at 730. We're going to be standing outside in the weather. We don't know exactly what the weather is going to be like. It was funny. We were talking about what we needed to set up and everything to get ready for the game on Saturday. And we were having this meeting and we were talking about like, okay, do we need to rent a tent? Do we need to try and use that as coverage? But it's funny because I don't really know if a tent is a good idea because of the snow and all the snow getting piled on top of the tent. And I don't know if that would lead to the tent collapsing. So I think if we end up using the tent, it's going to have to be put together sometime Saturday afternoon. But I also don't know how easy it is to put up a tent in a parking lot. That's going to be windy and filled with snow. So we might just have to brave the elements. It's only a half an hour. So I think we can certainly manage. I will tell you though, I stopped at a local sporting goods store today and bought a lot of hand and toe warmers for the crew, just so we've got everybody covered. So we're ready to go. But it, it also doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's going to be that cold. It just feels like it's going to be snowy and windy. It doesn't feel like it's going to be well, like it needs bitter to be, cold. It needs to be below freezing for it to be snow, right? I mean, it's got to be at least that. Yeah, but I mean, high 20s, the wind will certainly play the wind a factor. Is the worst. Yeah, the wind, the is, wind the is the worst. The worst. But like, yeah. it's also there's no sun. 
I guess it's a night game too. So there's no sun. So you're going to feel every bit of that, but it was less than a year ago that we covered that Patriots game. And I just don't ever foresee us covering a game colder than that. Um, so what we're hearing now, what, you know, you have access obviously to the meteorologists at your station, but everybody's kind of trying to piece this puzzle together. What we're hearing is this could, could rise to the level of the 2017 Colts game could have that much snow on the ground. More likely that it'll just be like kind of like throughout the game constant and kind mm-hmm. of piling up a little bit, not as heavy. Um, we're certainly not going to look at some sort of event like we saw that had the game forcibly moved to that they had to force the game to move to uh, Detroit, the Cleveland kind of snow, nothing like that. But it's also a possibility we don't get as much as all that. So all this is going to yeah. play into how the how this game goes, Matt. It really is, and I think the Bills are going to have you know different game plans in place, whether it's cold and snow and wind, I should say, or a little bit more, you know, less of that type of stuff, they're going to have to have those game plans in place. Now for the Miami Dolphins though, I found it very interesting that Mike McDaniel said on Wednesday in his press briefing, I think he was being, I think he was making a point. I don't think he was being serious when he said this, like completely truthfully serious. He said he will do zero monitoring of the weather this week because his point was, as he went on to discuss, he was basically saying he's been more making it about the mental preparation and the physical. And he just wants his guys to not care about what the weather is. Cause they have a job to do what, what, regardless of what the weather is. I don't know if that's the best approach. I understand the approach. I understand what he's trying to say, because I'll be the first to tell you when teams come up here, I think they are mentally defeated. A lot of times getting off the plane before even going out there and playing the Buffalo bills in these conditions, he's trying to get over that. But Matt, you got to be ready for the elements. Mm-hmm. Have your guys understand what they're up against. I think sometimes coaches lie. And I think that he was either saying a little fib or he was trying to make it seem like less of a deal than it actually is, or then they're actually making it. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, so I don't know how big of a deal it's going to be, but I don't believe for a second that an NFL coach isn't putting any thought into that or having somebody who's all over that and making sure that they have every potential advantage that they can have just because of what you said, you don't want to get here and already be at a disadvantage. And I know that there's also, there's like almost ignorance is bliss in a way. And you just get here and you're like, okay, we're going to play in whatever conditions we have to play in. Cause both teams have to play in them. But I, I don't think that there's really anything that they could change. Like I saw Nate Geary and Marcel tweeting about, well, maybe they could have flown out here and did a practice in the cold or something like that. Just given the circumstances of the short week that they're already on, that they've been in California for a bunch of days in a row. I don't think it's easy to just get on a plane and move your operation here and go practice for a day. But I do think that that could actually help. I mean, it's going to, it's going to hit these guys in the face pretty hard, even though we're talking about like, yeah, it's you know high twenties, whatever it's cold, but it's not anything we're not used to for some of those people. It will be something that they're not used to. So I think that usually the weather gets pun intended here overblown more than it should in a lot of these games, but it feels like in this one, we're trending in the direction where the weather is going to have an impact. Well, I think the reason is Matt, I mean, let's go back to the game that got moved. Yeah. That game was against the Cleveland Browns. And I think leading up to that game, even Bill's fans were like, Oh man, this could actually help the Browns because oh, yeah, they for play. sure. And because they're, they're a team on the lake up in the East. They, they deal with the snow. They live in the same environment as the bills do essentially. Right. And like, Oh my God, they run the ball. This is going to be tough on the bills. This is a different deal. Like it's the, it could be, it's like the exact same kind of scenario leading up to it before we knew what that was really going to be like that week. But here's the difference. Now you're t- facing a team 
from South Florida who lives there, who's, who lives there, who's just out on the West Coast the whole week after they mm-hmm. you know, played a game and stayed out there, whose quarterback is from Hawaii and then played at Alabama. And then on top of that, they rely on a deep passing game. They don't yeah. have their rhythmic and timing pa- deep passing game. They don't have a short passing game or a run game. Like, I think that's why this has become a much bigger deal and story. And in, yeah. in a way, people look at it an advantage for the Bills than any other game that they've played or were in this situation in. Well, I do think that generally a cold weather game and snow slows down everybody. Like, I think yes, that that's agreed. just kind of obvious. But I've also heard people say in the past that it separates the gap between the people who are fast and the people who aren't as fast even more. And that's something that's interesting to me as I'm thinking about this game. Like, well, Tyree Hill. Part, part of the reason why, and I'll tell you this. Go ahead. You will always hear this. Offensive players have an advantage because they know where they're going. Yes. And oh, defensive players don't. Right. So, so it to, that furthers your point, what you're saying, if you're a fast guy on offense, you can use that speed because you know where you're going and the defense defender has to slow down in the, in the conditions and, and think about what's happening. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also, once again, depends on the circumstances of the game. If we're talking about weather that's similar to the Colts game back in 2017, nobody is going to be that fast on the fields. The fastest player in the world right now, Tyreek Hill is still going to be fast, but it's not like he is going to be moving a hundred miles an hour out on that field. Mm-hmm. If it's just cold, then guess what? He's still going to be really, really fast. So that's the thing that I'm interested in. I mean, it's, I'm. what did you talk to Marcel earlier today on the yes. radio? I know Jeff will and did not participate in practice. Does it seem like, or at least he didn't on Tuesday for their like estimation. Does right. it seem like he's going to play or does it seem like he's going to be unavailable? What did he say? Um, he said what McDaniel said, which is they avoided the worst case scenario, Matt, that doesn't sound promising on a six day turn. No, no. Worst case scenario to me is like, okay, we thought it might be season ending. We avoided that, but maybe he'll be ready in a couple weeks. Not Correct. like in three days from now. Correct. And we're talking about a hip injury. Like those are not easily to easy to overcome, especially when it was severe enough to knock him completely, completely out of the last game, because that's what happened. So at this point, I'm not expecting Jeff Wilson to play. Who knows? I mean, he may suit up. He may be out there, but I'm not expecting Jeff Wilson to be available for the um, Miami dolphins. When you take weather out of the fact out of it. And I know that that's tricky to do because it's probably going to play a factor. What do you think of the matchup of these two teams and the way that they've played the last couple of weeks? I mean, I've been on all of these podcasts together, Sal, and every time I say that I think the dolphins are going to win and then they lose. So I think I'm pretty, I've been pretty bullish about the dolphins and they've kind of, to come back to reality, but what do you just think about the two teams and where they're heading right now? Oh, I definitely think that, you know, they're going in opposite directions and really the bills have not played their best football necessarily, but they're winning games. They're on a three game winning streak, four game winning streak, right? What were they? Six, four, four, four game. Yeah. There were six and three, four game, four game, four game winning streak, but they are, I think they're heading in, in those opposite directions. Now the bills haven't been going out there and just beating teams by, you know, double digits like they were a year ago and into this year, but they're winning games and their defense is playing great. The Miami Dolphins, on the other hand, they've lost two games and they've looked bad doing it, by the way. Like they had a long, 
fumble return for a touchdown by Tyreek Hill. Other than that, they had no offense other than one playoff. They, they, they went to Tyreek deep and he, and he had it. They couldn't move the ball. I mean, I think Tua was three for his first, what was it? Was it three for 17 or something? Six or something. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was. Well, something like I that. think, I think if I remember the stat line correctly, he only had six completions going into their final drive of the game when the, who did they play? Why am I, the chargers were playing prevent defense. And then he had four completions on that drive to get him up to 10 completions for the entire game. I mean, if you take out the Tyreek fumble, they had 10 points. And the stat that's interesting with the Dolphins is that when they score more than 20 points, they are undefeated. When they score less than 20 points, they don't have a win. So if you're, or excuse me, actually they have one win when they score less than 20 points, but they're undefeated when they have more. So if you're the Bills and you're going into this game, you're at home, you're in the elements, you're thinking to yourself, okay, hold them below 20. Even in these conditions, we feel like we're going to be able to put some points on the board because we have Josh Allen, and yeah. then you probably feel pretty good about your chances. I mean, if you were going, if you're going into this game and you told the Bills right now that the Dolphins were going to have 19 points, you would take that every single time, regardless of the weather. I think so too. I mean, you'll to hold that offense to that, and I think if you feel that they can score 19, what can we do? Because if the, I again, I, I think it comes down to their offense is much more impacted by the bills offense because of the way they want to run it. They're actually last in the league, Matt at number of passes, 10 yards or shorter. That's Which is interesting, right? Which I mean, they really don't, inter- yeah. don't have that offense. They don't want to do that. And you're going to force them into a game like that. And by the way, I just looked, Jeff Wilson did miss his second straight practice. So okay. it looks like he could very well be out. Eric Rowe could be out. Taron Armstead's dealing with some stuff there as well. Even, even Waddle and Tua both have been kind of dealing with stuff now it, and, yeah. and, Hill, and Hill and Tyree Kelly hurt injured his ankle. So again, I'm not saying that like they're trotting out there, their JV squad, but you know, you come up here in Buffalo in these conditions and you're a little bit banged up. Those, those injuries hurt a little bit more too, when you're trying to run on them in the, in the uh, cold, this couldn't work out any better for the bills. Think back to a month ago when you were thinking about this game and what it would mean. And then mm. the dolphins have lost two in a row. Now they're coming here on short rest. Yep. Their game got moved later to Sunday night. This game got moved earlier to Saturday night. The weather mm-hmm. is going to play a factor. The teams are trending in different directions right now. The bills you know, of course, Von Miller and Micah Hyde aside, and those those are big asides, but mm-hmm. they're trending in the right direction injury wise. So, I mean, I think if you're the bills, this is a golden opportunity to one clinch a playoff spot, which they do with the win and two, essentially put away the AFC East for the third straight season. Yeah. And good point. You brought that up. The bills cannot win the AFC East this week. They can kind of virtually win it. They'd be right there and it would just take one more win or one more loss basically by them or the dolphins, but they cannot, but they can, as you just mentioned, clinch a playoff spot with a win. There are other scenarios. They can tie and have a whole bunch of, Oh other yeah. Things, right. Do you want, do you want them? I have, them I, I in think front fans of deserve to hear you read them. Okay. Let me bring it up just so I can make sure I want to make sure that I get this right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The bills can clinch a playoff spot on Saturday with a win or a tie and a Chargers loss mm-hmm. or a tie in both the Patriots and Jets lose mm-hmm. or a tie, a Jets loss and a Patriots and Chargers tie. That is a lot of word mumbo jumbo. Let's just stick with if the bills win, they go to the playoffs for the fourth straight season. That'd be a pretty cool uh, celebration inside Highmark Stadium. We've had uh, a couple of those recently. Remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, it was on the road when they clinched. And then last year it was home when they clinched. Do you, do you remember the clinch? Uh, so during the last three playoffs uh, years, mm-hmm. do you remember where they clinched in all of them? 
Because I do. So I'm interested. I would say, I'm, I'm going to say, tell me if this is right. Yep. Pittsburgh at Denver, home against the Jets. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. is, cor- is correct. Sunday Night Football. Denver is correct. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night, it yep. was on Channel 7. I believe your last one is incorrect. Was it Atlanta? Yes. I believe it was Atlanta, which was the second last game of the year, right? And then the Jets was the division. Yes. I believe they clinched a playoff spot against Atlanta, and then they clinched the division against the Jets. Max, I think you were right. Max said, Max told me that. He told me they clinched against Atlanta last year. Is he right? I think he's right. Max, you were right. right. They clinched a playoffs against Atlanta. He's in the playroom in the other room. Kid is nine and he's telling me what happened last year like you know 10 months ago and i don't remember like was he at the game he was yeah i'm pretty sure well done to max but i'm pretty sure that yeah they clinched a playoff spot against atlanta and then that last game of the year against the jets it only really mattered for the division and then they ended up beating the jets i I do remember though vividly the steelers one and the two Broncos won, and this would be earlier than both of those. I mean, we're still a week. This would be a week before Christmas if they were to clinch on Saturday night. Matt, you really think about, like, of all the consternation fans have had this year, of all the oh. troubles, they're 10 and 3. They were 7 and 6 <laughs> last year at this point. And can I remind and just tell everybody this too? I don't know if people know this. I tweeted this out. They've scored 10 more points this year than they did last year at this point. Like they're actually uh, scoring pace, even though people don't realize, like th- even though people think like the offense is, Oh my God, what's wrong with it. They're actually are, scoring more points right now. Yeah. These are live odds from the New York times playoff predictor. So right now the bills have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs. Obviously we know how they can get it. Now that we've said it, if they lose to the dolphins that stays at 99%, if they lose to the bears, it drops down to 97%. If they lose to the Bengals, it drops down to 95%. <laughs> if they lose to the Patriots, they still have an 83% chance of making the playoffs. They could finish with four losses and still have an 83% chance to make the playoffs. So, you know, there you go. I don't want to I don't want to say it's impossible, but like you would like to think that this team's going back to the playoffs again. And I just looked, uh, let's see. So playoff bound, hold on. I want to make sure we are right here. It says playoff bound on January 2nd. When did they play Atlanta last year? I think January January 2nd. I think so. There's the, I have the shot of the scoreboard saying playoff bound. And then the following week would have been against the jets, right? AFC East division. Yes. And and then the following week would have been the home playoff game. The 15th, the 15th would have been the 15th. That was us. That was a Saturday night, right? The Patriots game. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. I think it was a Saturday night. I think I remember I had a couple friends in from out of town who went to the game. And then the next day we went and watched the other playoff games on Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. And I remember they were telling me how satisfying it is to watch the other playoff games, knowing that your team has already won and not Mm -hmm. having to worry about it. And also having that like extra day of kind of, you know, to enjoy the weekend. So I think that's kind of a similar scenario. If the bills were able to win, I think that this weekend would be extra enjoyable for a lot of bills fans. But if they were to lose mm-hmm. then those games on Sunday would be really tough to actually because the chiefs are playing the Texans. You kind of know what's going to happen there. And if the bills win, you're like, all right, well, guess what? We'll have to wait one more week and see because they're going to crush them. If they lose, you're like, oh my God, chiefs are playing the Texans. And now all of a sudden they're going to be the number one seed, right? That would be horrible. Yeah. 
For sure. I mean, All when right. you think of the, when you think of the last four games, I mentioned it earlier that do yeah. you agree this is the second toughest game left on their schedule? Oh yeah, for sure. Would you go, would you go Bengals, Dolphins, Bears, Patriots or Patriots, Bears? No, I'd say Patriots, Bears. See, I think I'd go Bears, Patriots. Um, as much as Justin Fields can be a threat, I just, they're, they're not that good. The bears. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I think I'm thinking more about the quarterback than I am about yeah. the team as a whole. Maybe I'm just writing off. I mean, the Patriots are seven and six. I know that they won and they'll be that. fighting for a playoff spot. Maybe that week, like that could literally be them trying to win to get in. We you know we'll see what, what, is what the, for the bills. What are the, what are the final four? I'm looking it up right now. The final four games for the Patriots. Ooh. Okay. So they've got, they've got a little bit of a hill to climb here. So the Patriots final four games are at the Raiders. At the Raiders. Raiders. That's the game that was flexed out of Sunday night. So at the Raiders home against the Bengals mm. home against the dolphins mm. at the bills. Woo-hoo. I mean, the easiest yeah. with air quotes game on that is at the Raiders. And I don't think that that's a foregone conclusion at all. No, no, I agree with you. By the way, that's wild. Patriots Raiders got flexed out of Sunday night football. I know. I know it is. It's for, uh, for giants commanders, by the way, I just want to remind everybody of that. There has been a shift <laughs> in what teams people want to watch yes. in the NFL and the bills. I think are at the bills and chiefs are at the, all the way one side and the Patriots and the Raiders aren't all the way to the other side, but they're pretty close. All right, let's get to some questions. Hey everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball has been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. As we do every single week, we're going to answer some questions, get you out the door here. First question from Howard, Simon, your old pal. You want to be, you want to become a Mets fan? That's what he asked. (laughs) I know he's not talking to me, pal. Uh, I think he is talking to you. What about you? Are you you're a Yankees fan too? What are you? You a Yankees fan? Oh no, God no, absolutely not. I don't. Like? I don't like the Yankees at all. I I like the Red Sox. But oh man! I, but well, like, you'd be more of a Mets fan than me because at least you hate the Yankees in either one. I'm, of them. I'm married into a Mets family. Oh. They are all they are all big Mets fans. So I've kind of got a soft spot for the Mets, but I've also really kind of started to distance myself with the Red Sox as well. It's not that I just. I don't like the Red Sox or anything. I'm just not a huge baseball guy. And I really rarely sit down and watch baseball. So when it's on, I root for the Red Sox, but I'm not going out of my way to watch the Red Sox play. That's just my it. opinion. All right, let, uh, me, don't, let me ask you one. First of all, let me yeah, ask go you, ahead. Let me get to another one. Yeah. I have a friend coming to town on Thursday. By the time people hear this, he might be already be here. It's a big dolphins fan. He lives in Florida. Yeah. I'm trying to prepare him. <laughs> he's, he, yeah, he's not been to a Bills like December night game in the snow, and I'm trying to prepare him for what to wear. Yeah. What do I say? Okay, that's a that's a and actually goes yeah. off of another question. This okay. is from Don, and he, he said, "What is your preferred glove right. setup for a cold game?" So we can kind of intertwine the two. So I'll ask you for: uh, Is he going to the game and sitting in the stands? He is, but he is actually seated, sitting in the um, the club area with the the heat above. Okay, if I was going as a fan and I was sitting in a seat that didn't have the overhead heater. Now I I'm somebody who runs pretty hot. It takes a lot for me to get really, really cold. Hmm. I think I would wear 
a layer of like not long johns, but like the spandex under armor pants that you can wear like mm-hmm. under, you know, whatever. So I'd wear those. I wear those anyway. I, I do those on the sidelines in any cold game. Then I would wear a pair of thin sweatpants or mm-hmm. like even like pajama pants, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then I would wear a pair of jeans over top of those. You could also do snow pants if that's if the if it is going to be. Oh, yeah, it's going to snow. It's not just going to be cold. OK, so then do snow pants. So you do really tight like leggings, then you do the sweatpants, then you do snow pants. And then up top, you would do like an Under Armour or Nike long sleeve, dry fit, long sleeve. Then you would wear a sweater, a quarter zip, and then the coat. Okay. That's what I like. Would do. I mean, he said he's wearing long johns and jeans. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he's, he lives in Florida and he's not really ready for this. And I'm like, all right, I just want to make sure that like, you got to be ready for this. That's coming here. So, um, sideline's different for me. I got to get my, like during the game, I literally got to get my hands free so I can talk in my mic and all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. move stuff around. So I do have gloves. Sometimes I wear like literally like actual wide receiver gloves. I play flag football and I wear them. And then I put those underneath my regular gloves. So I wear those sometimes. So at least I have an extra layer. Um, last week I wore for the colder game against the jets and the miserable conditions. I had a long sleeve t-shirt followed by a thick, um, long sleeve followed by an inlay jacket followed by a weatherproof jacket. So it was pretty okay. good. It worked out well yeah. for me. And in this game, I also will have ski goggles in case the snow starts pelting me in the face. Yeah. And I think too, it is, you can always, Take layers off. Can't yep, always right. add layers on. I like it. So, you know, I learned we're both from Western New York. You learned that way back in the day when you're a kid. You do, you do the bags for, on feet thing? Yes, I do. When okay. I was a news when I was a news reporter, I started to do that and I would be out and covering things in the most ridiculous hours of the morning. Now Granted, they're not as easy to come by anymore because you can't just get them at grocery stores. But I used to wear all the layers that I said, and I would wear just a regular pair of like cotton socks. Mm -hmm. And then I would wear one other pair of socks. And then I would put Wegmans or Tops or whatever grocery store you have plastic bags over Mm -hmm. that. And then I'd put my boot on top of that. Okay. Well, you know what I did last year? And I got to give a shout out here. I didn't even... I guess I might've done this when I was a kid. I didn't know. And everybody's like, wait, remember when we were kids and your mom gave you like the wonder bread and you put your foot in the bag and put it in the boot. <laughs> like, I don't think I remember that, but it was uh, Dennis DePaulo from Elio DePaulo's Dennis owns Elio's. Uh-huh. And um, Dennis said to me one day, he heard me talking on the radio about it. He's like, Sal bags, bags on your feet. So I didn't have the bags. What I did was Matt, I put Ziploc bags on my yeah. feet and then in the boot and it was perfect. It was great. This is a really funny question. Uh, this is from our buddy, Brother Bill. You've probably okay. seen his videos. Oh it's God. a really funny question. Right. If you and Sal Freaky Friday into each other's bodies, what is the first thing both of you would do as each other? So do you know what that means? Like, have you seen the movie Freaky Friday? Like you're, you're, yeah. I mean, I become you, but even I, mean, you're, I have your body, but my brain. And right? Yes, exa- yes. You're like still thinking as you, but you're in my body. What would be the first thing you would do as me? I don't know what the first thing I would do is you would be. Um, it would have to be something with like shooting stuff at practice. And like, I'd try and find some like totally weird stuff to shoot at practice. Cause I watch you guys shoot all your video and yeah. I probably figure out like, Oh dude, I'd never see this. I want to see this. I want to look at that. I might get in trouble cause I'm shooting something I'm not supposed to with the bills, but I think I might do something like that. I think I would, if it was sticking at the facility, I think I would try and find as much intel on me with you. Like, I think I would go around to people and I'd be like, what do you really think of that Matt Bove guy? Does he kind of suck or you like him and see what everybody said to me That's hilarious. and then, and then just use that for my own gain moving forward. 
It's a, I, I like it's it. such it's such a good question that it caught me. So I literally read it and asked you it immediately. So if I think of a better answer, I'll get back to you guys on that. Uh, let's see. We've already talked a lot about Cole Beasley. Hypothetically, what other former Bill would you like to see brought back, active or retired? That's from Ryan. That's a good question. So, like, is this question meaning like who would help the Bills the most? Yeah, I think if you could take any any Bills player, active or retired, and add them to this roster to put them over the top, who would it be? Okay, so there's only two answers here that are I even think, uh, remotely acceptable. I think I know both of the – well, I, I think I definitely know one. I'm assuming I know both of them that you're going to say. You're going to say – before you say it, you're going to say yeah. Bruce and Thurman? Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, that's you put the greatest – sack leader of all time on this team. It's lights yeah. out over done with, sorry. And then, or you put Thurman Thomas in this offense for what they lack and what they need out of the backfield, the guy that can do everything and catch every pass and basically play that role. They've been searching for. Come on, man. It, I think it's, I think that is way too easy. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, this is from Colin. How and when do we get Jerry Hughes back? A lot of people talking about Jerry Hughes. Okay. I, I where where is I, I have to, where has this come from? I have received so many Jerry Hughes questions lately. I have friends calling me at 1130 at night. Hey, can they get Jerry Hughes? I'm like, no, he's on another team. I'm like, dude, he's on a contract. And then my other, my one friend's like, well, what can they kick the tires? What tires? He's on a team. There's no trading anymore. Yeah. The trade. Somebody like told that. me he's not, he's not happy where he is. I haven't read anything about that. He's at home. He's in Houston. He's on a two-year deal. Matt, help me understand. Where did this Jerry Hughes stuff come from? I don't know. I think that because so many people always say that the salary cap isn't real and that these things can happen, that people just assume that no rules exist anymore. Uh, they can't get the only way they get Jerry Hughes back is if Jerry Hughes walks into the Houston front, you know, the <laughs> office, of the general manager and it's like, I'm never playing for your team again. You need to cut me. And then that happens, which it's not going to happen. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to come back to the bills. Oh, by the way, he would have to go through waivers because it's past the trade deadline. I don't care how many years you've been in the league. If you get cut now, you go through waivers period. So, so there you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, this is from Dennis seems like Trey white and company got shredded on third down, especially uh, seems like Trey was playing 10 to 12 off every single time. Explain why the soft coverage. What do you think? if he was that soft, but, um, I think when you're dealing with long situations, then you're willing to give up a little more because think about it uh-huh. you come up and press coverage on a third and 10 or third and 11. All it takes is two steps. And he's behind you. The whole, yeah, point, exactly. of, uh, whole point of uh, coverage like that is to keep everything in front of you and not let him get a first down. It doesn't mean it's going to work every time, but I agree with playing off in those situations. Yeah, for sure. Cause you just want to keep everything in front of you and yeah. you want to make sure that you can take them down before the sticks. Now they did not do a good enough job no. of that against the jets. Right. They gave up way too many third and long situations that that needs to be something that's cleaned up, but all things considered, I'm not overly con- Trey white got targeted a little bit more than we're used to seeing him get targeted, but I'm not overly concerned with Trey. This of course is a big test for him this week against Hill and Waddle, but the, if the weather is as bad as maybe some people are saying it will be, then it's going to be another really strange game to try and base anything off of other than weather. All right. I have one for you. All right. What is the, like how little or much of a percent chance do you give the Sabres of making the playoffs? Ooh. Okay. That's a good question. I would say I give them a 20% chance of making the playoffs. They are seven points back as we sit here of a wild card. 
They do have a uh-huh. game in hand on the teams they're chasing, the Rangers and Islanders. So even if they won, they'd be five points back, but there'd still be four other teams ahead of them yeah. in the standings to try and jump them. The over eight, the the eight straight losses just killed this team, Matt, because otherwise they're only one game. Well, I mean, if you count the 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 overtime losses and regular uh, shootout losses, they'd be like three games under five hundred. But they're thirteen, fourteen, and two, which isn't a horrible record. But that's within mm-hmm. zero and eight, zero for eight. Yeah, you know what I would say. My my Sabers prediction that we can end the podcast on here is that if you're somebody who is into pace, placing like future bets, I would place a future bet on Jack Jack Quinn to win the Calder Ooh. because his game is really starting to round itself out. And on that line that he's on with Paterka and with cousins and the rate that they're producing right now, and that he has, he did not start slow, but he started a little bit slower than maybe some people thought. And now he's exceeded expectations. Jack Quinn is going to have a nice, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a nice season. And Owen power is the one who nationally gets all the love for the Calder, but don't sleep on Jack Quinn. I love it. I love it. Tage Thompson, as we record this third in the league in points. Yeah. He's second, in second in goals, well, second in goals with 23. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's realistically on a pace to crush 50 goals, which would be bananas. I mean, it's funny to say if there were an Olympics this year, somebody tweeted this, I don't know who it was. I don't want, I wish I could give them that credit, but if there was an Olympic U S team this year, their top two centers would be from Arizona with Austin Matthews and Paige <laughs> Thompson. Think about how ridiculous that is. Oh man. That is incredible. Right. When you think about it, but yeah, they what's are fun to watch. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, as we wrap up here, what's your, and this is a not so smooth transition, but take weather and just say it plays a factor, but not a massive factor. What's your prediction? What's your score going into this game for the dolphins? Matt, I it's just, so, it's so tough with the weather. I know. So tough. If it's a really, really bad weather condition, I just don't think the dolphins are going to score many points. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think they're gonna score a lot anyway, but if it's conducive though, they might get a few plays and they could put some points on the board. But if it's like that, I think the bills can roll them on the other side of the ball because I don't think the dolphins defense is all that good. They haven't been getting what they wanted out of Bradley Chubb since he's been there. I mean, they have a better pass rush. That's because of Jalen Waddle and Christian Wilkins, by the way. Um, no, Jalen. Yeah, excuse me. Jalen Phillips. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Jaylen, yeah. Thank you very much for that, Jalen Phillips. Um, so a prediction, a score. Like I think if it's like really, if it's if something happens where like, oh my god, we didn't get the weather we were expecting. It's really good conditions. It's better than we thought, even with a little wind. I think the Bills get to thirty points, and mm. they probably win like maybe thirty to. 20 or something like that. Um, if it is really like bad and we're talking like maybe even close to 2017 Colts level, maybe like 17, six, 20 to 10, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I will say the one thing about the weather is it's probably going to keep the gap pretty close for most of the game. Mm -hmm. So just prepare yourselves for that. If you're like, Oh, the bills are going to roll regardless of what happens in the weather. It's probably not going to happen just because these teams are going to put up points at the normal clip yep. that they're able to do it. So it's going to be a little bit more of a, okay, we got to sit here and watch the score, but I do think whether the weather's bad or whether the weather's good, I do think the bills are going to get a win. So I would say, give me bills, 23 dolphins, 16. That's how I would say it. Well, if you're listening, you know where to find us. Tell all your friends, Odyssey app, iTunes, Spotify, Matt, Saturday night, channel seven. You guys will have yep. the game. Of course, enjoy it. I know uh, it'll be on your airwaves and of course on ours on WGR and the Buffalo Bills radio network. Thanks for listening to it's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you after the Dolphins game and into next week as the Bills get ready then to take on the Chicago Bears on Christmas weekend.